We are live. I'm Seb 3.0, and today I'm here with my guest, Sam, from Node Guardians and Journal du Coin. Uh, Node Guardians is a platform that allows developers to level up their, their dev skills. And uh, he's also the founder of Journal du Coin, which is France's uh, premier crypto media YouTube channel and uh, just like all around, uh, you know, very influential guy in the French crypto space. Uh, he also organizes a Starknet conference here in France. And so today we're going to be talking about all of that. And I'm also dying to find out why Sam thinks bare metal is better suited for validator infrastructure. I tend to agree with that. But anyway, <laughs> all that's coming up right here on the interrupt. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for joining me, Sam. Love the intro. I'm addicted to that new jingle intro you added. Like, yeah. <laughs> two episodes, it's here. And as a listener, it's very odd for me to be here. So I'm very honored and humbled to be on the show. And it's funny to be on the other side. And, you know, this jingle feels as good as a guest and as a viewer. It's really, it's really a pleasant experience all the way. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you too. And, uh, and and also like I, I feel a little bit like starstruck because like you know you're fucking huge like you've got like such a huge audience uh you know in in the French crypto sphere but like also beyond like you know you, you, I think that you, you got your beginnings in France and and certainly like Jean Ducoin is a pretty uh you know influential uh, crypto media organization in France and you've got your YouTube channel and everything but like you're so much bigger than like even you know Epicenter or you know any of the other podcasts I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm working with so. Uh, it's really cool to have you on and like talk to uh, someone who's like, yeah, really, really grown a, a massive audience. Um, you know, You're talking in, to uh, your own yeah. fan. I started listening. To <laughs> I started listening to Epicenter probably before starting any venture in that space in that field. So you know, uh, all the credit goes to you. Like seriously. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I mean, we kind of like met in person. And like started chatting and talking a little bit more like in the last year or so. Um, but like you've been in the space since I think like 2016 or something like that. And, you know, I, we didn't really crop, cross paths then like when you were uh, living in France. And, you know, I think like around that time, I was really focused on building like this like stratum, this this enterprise uh, blockchain company. And and, you know, like I, I realize now that like a lot of the you know, I went to a few of the meetups in Paris, like the. ETC or sorry, the um, what used to be called ASF, uh, the Association Ethereum um, meetups, and but you know I, I wasn't like very plugged into the community, and it's only like later that I kind of came in. So we didn't we didn't really like cross cross paths back then, I think. Um, but yeah, tell me tell me about your like background and like where you know how you got into crypto and like how you got to start working on on Jolaji Coin. Um, sure. Um, so my beginnings in crypto, yeah, I started hearing about crypto around back in the days when Zcash was doing its trusted setup. And, you know, sometimes you have that friend that tells you about Ethereum, but you just listen to it and basically you don't really like get, get hooked. And, and, and that's it. I was just here hearing about it from, you know, like this whole thing, this whole technology and well, nothing special happened. And, you know, in 2017, I had that, that friend that I, I used to visit. 
who indirectly kind of orange peeled me or you know ETH peeled me, let's put it this way, because they, they were using darknet markets and the whole process, the way they could basically like get a commodity, something to their house, leveraging a network that is totally ex like, you know, parallel network that doesn't fun function or, you know, doesn't comply with all the rules that are set, doesn't go through without going through the, you know, traditional networks, let's put it this way. I was really like amazed. So I think I was sold programmable money, the programmable concepts, the programmable money concept totally got me hooked. And I started educating myself on a, on a regular basis, but yeah, I was uh, doing med studies. So this was taking a lot of bandwidth. And so you were studying you know, to be a doctor? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and so I was not really inspired uh, with, with that career path. I just did that. So uh, my parents, you know, get a bit relieved and they're, they're not, you know, just to avoid stressing them. And I was not that inspired. And I, I, just, I was just like, I'm just going to take a year off and see how I can make this work and get involved into something that truly resonates within me. And if it doesn't work, it's, it's totally okay. So I kind of halted studies to focus on crypto. And I started to see how I could contribute to that space and increase my knowledge. I'm from a city called Toulouse in the south of France. It's like the fourth yeah. biggest city. Started doing something called the beer coin, like beer coin, uh, twice a month. It is a meetup that gathers people that share an interest for Bitcoin on other cryptocurrencies and started meeting uh, some, some folks, some friends who are my uh, current partners nowadays. And um, you know, um, started learning a bit more about that whole space. And we got together to start something called Journal du Coin. Journalducoin.com is a media that basically covers what's going on in, uh, in the world of crypto in, uh, in the space. And seven days a week, we try to cover what's going on and we abstract the complexity of some concepts, some news, and we serve that um, in French in a, in a genuine way. And we also have a label, you know, operating, sorry, on YouTube. There you can find some podcasts. You can find some um, some streams, some Thursday streams where we discuss all things, you know, the cosmos governance or um, also some less sexy incidents like what happened with, I don't know, Celsius or FTX, all sorts of debates are happening there. And uh, yeah, this was pretty much how I got involved with the space at the local scale. And uh, and yeah, uh, I guess the, the, the rest is history. Many things happened after and here I am. We, we got you know, we got fortunate to, you know, things grew. There was that boom market back in 2017. There weren't that many actors in that in that field too. And uh, yeah, uh, slowly but surely, we managed to get a few million readers on a monthly basis. Or one, two million, not a few million. And uh, now I think it's about the same numbers. And we're just trying to keep it up, not having the quality decrease and. And, and, and that's it. And keeping the same frequency, despite the market being a bit uh, hostile. Yeah. Yeah. Like that first mover advantage, I think is, is huge. And, you know, in, in those days there, you know, there weren't a lot of quality media outlets covering crypto uh, in French. And, you know, by the way, like for our audience, like, uh, you know, French speak, the French speaking world is goes far beyond France. You know, there's like parts of Canada that have, uh, French speakers, also like a lot of Africa, North Africa, and uh, and so you know having having that uh, that kind of you know language niche is uh, is huge, especially if you're providing quality content um, and educating people. Not just providing content, but like I think just educating people on some of the key concepts, right? Like 
you know, what's consensus, what's a blockchain, what like just these very basic things that you, know, you can find pretty easily in English. And there's many, you know, there's like, you can find all flavors of this kind of stuff in English, but to find really good quality content in, in like a sort of, you know, I don't know what French is, maybe like the third or fourth most spoken language in the world. Yeah, it's, it's really valuable. And I think a lot of people probably came into crypto uh, around that time, you know, in 2017, 2018, during that, you know, during that bull market, um, watching, watching your videos and like reading Logic Coin. Yeah, uh, I, I, I hope so. And I hope the, they're still among us until this day and everything went well for, you know, for them in that field. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a crazy ride. And France is quite a huge, uh, it's quite a huge region when you think of it. Like the French speaking world is, is rather large. I think it's about like 200, 300 million French speakers. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite, um, it's, uh, it's quite a big community we have here. Yeah, yeah. And um, you, you don't produce any content in English, or do you? So on Journal du Coin, if you visit the channel, you're going to see some podcasts with, for instance, Adrian Brink or someone from, you know, like uh, even Jay from Say. These are recorded in English um, and they're subtitled in French. So people who are not familiar with English can also enjoy it. So you can find some content that's actually uh, in English subtitled in French. But the core of the content, I would say 50% of the content is, um, yeah. 50% of the content is, uh, is, in yeah, is in French. Is in French, yes. Yeah. Yeah, th this is this is something that I, I also thought about at, at some point, I think early in the days of Epicenter was, okay, like how do we, because, you know, through Epicenter, we had this network of, of people like outside of France. And I think like there were a few people around that time that had that. And I was thinking like, hey, how can we like create content in French? And it's like, well, none of these people speak French, so it doesn't really make sense. But you know, sort of missing the point that, you know, if your audience, it's it's about the audience, right? It's really about like creating the audience. And if you can deliver that content to them, you know, subtitled or with like dubbing or whatever, like they're still going to be there and they're still going to appreciate the content. Um, I guess like I wasn't, well, you know, I hadn't thought like that far ahead about, um, you know, doing content in French and sort of like let the idea kind of go by. But yeah, like you guys like nailed that niche and nailed that like, that sort of general geographic linguistic uh, uh, audience pretty pretty well, and and allowed them to also get access to like people like Adrian Brink, like people like Jay from Sayer, like all, all these folks who generally wouldn't come on a f like you know non English speaking podcast, but just delivering that knowledge directly to uh, to that community. It's it's uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, um, um, let's. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I wasn't. Nothing relevant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so you, you're working on a couple of different things also. So, um, you know, I want to talk about Stark CC or Stark, Stark, StarkNet CC. Stark um, yes. StarkNet CC and then also Node Guardians. I think Node Guardians is really like, it, it's such an interesting idea. And like the first time you told me about this, I was like, wow, this is super cool. I mean, <laughs> this really, I think, um, encapsulates a, a lot of the... Uh, you know, this kind of play to earn model, but in a way that feels very native to crypto. Uh, and like play to earn, you know, there's like so much, like it's such a loaded term. It, it almost, it, you know, it almost serves you, like does a disservice to what you guys are doing. But yeah, like, can you talk about um, Node Guardians and like 
what what it is and what you're hoping what's the vision here and then we can get into some of the some of the details of course um i don't see node guardians as a play to earn but uh yeah it is uh clearly yeah a platform where you get to play and earn something but play to earn is you know connotated associated with some you know other types of projects which i totally respect yeah. but i really think that a node guardian is different. There's no hierarchy. It's not better, but it's just different. So node guardian is, I like to call it an RPG, a role-playing game to challenge your solidity skills for now. And later, other stacks will be supported. So as the name suggested, it is also an infrastructure provider. We run nodes and RPCs across different networks. And beyond that, we try to contribute to this ecosystem by creating an RPG-like experience to challenge developers for now. That is like what we offer. Um, as a developer, you log in with your web-free wallet. You don't need to share your email or any personal data whatsoever or pay anything. And you choose uh, quests that you want to solve. Quests are basically programming challenges, logic problems, capture the flag exercises um, that you need to solve. And the way we twist them is, um, I think that's what makes the the quests really stand out here is that you have some kind of story, some backstory to it. And each quest, like some quests are linked to each other because there is a, a bigger picture, some form of lore that glues all of these quests together. So you want to finish that campaign to kind of see how everything unfolds. You start to maybe you know, get attached to that very specific character in the lore. And when you complete that quest, you get rewards in the form of gold, and experience points. They're soul bound, you cannot trade them, and they will basically allow you to craft uh, items, items that basically show your degree, your level of commitment uh, into a specific field of programming, whether it is low level programming or data structure and algorithm. Maybe you wanna you know, craft that armor that shows that you're much involved with this domain specific language, with this protocol. You can craft this and build your developer identity on the platform. There is a bit of a social aspect on the platform. So you complete this quest, you craft cool items, a la Skyrim or Oblivion or other RPGs, which uh, I used to play a lot. And yeah, you get to basically test your 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 skills and, and uh, maybe hopefully have fun in the process. And if you wanna connect, with our engineers to ask your questions. You can go on Discord. Your Discord identity is linked to your Node Guardians profile. And depending on how many quests you have completed, there are like different, let's say, mage groups. And you can basically also chat with other fellow Node Guardians that have completed a similar amount of quests and explore synergies, try to discuss potentially like, you know, the solution to a certain problem and everything. There are a lot of features that we're planning to implement, to implement uh, real soon or in the coming month. I don't like to promise stuff and like say it's going to be amazing and, and everything. So uh, I try to be cautious with that. But there are going to be more quests that are coming on the platform, more campaigns. Um, in the future, we plan to integrate other programming languages, other stacks, and other form of challenges like gas golfing. So for instance, gas golfing is I give you a, a problem and you need to solve it while being the most efficient in gas. And then we can generate a leaderboard that basically ranks people uh, and lets you see where you look at you, like where you, you are against other guardians. And you can have a monthly gas golfing challenge and people that end up, for instance, in the, in the top 15 or top 20, they can craft that very specific item that is, let's say, uh, 
limited edition that is very like temporary. You can explore all these different things, and uh, and um, and I think that that kind of makes it fun. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty much what Node Guardians is. You you have some kind of RPG RPG to challenge developers. If you're not a developer, you're not left out at all. You have a specific type of quest that are called theory. Theory quests are articles about distributed systems and decentralized finance that um, are explaining you concepts like I don't know data availability or scaling approaches for for a blockchain and everything. We always team up by someone who's very familiar with a specific uh, domain, whether it is scaling or zero knowledge cryptography. Um, they produce an article that we kind of make. Uh, we arrange it to fit our lore, you know, like with infographics and stuff. And you get to learn also something about blockchains. And at the end, you can challenge your understanding by doing an MCQ. And if you get it right, you can also get some loot and craft some cool items. So I also invite you to check it out if that's something of interest to you. And um, again, the, the last category, I think I said it earlier, we're a staking provider. You, you, you can also... Uh, Delegate on our nodes if that's something uh, you you know uh, you, you you can consider doing that, but it's it's not nothing important, of course. Yeah, uh, this is this is super cool. I I just kind of stumbled upon uh, the rollups page here, and I wish I would have read this this morning because I did <laughs> an interview on Epicenter with the Fuse guys, and they basically have this very same uh, this very same graph here, but like the differences between Validium and Sovereign rollups and smart This is a classic. Celestia uses yeah. it, Starcore uses it, everyone yeah. uses it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, this is super cool. Like, I, I think there's so much to this. Like, I mean, beyond just the, the fact that, well, it's fun, right? So like, it, you know, I, I've done a few, you know, Solidity tutorials and, and this kind of thing. And like, yeah, it was, it was you know, didn't didn't pursue those things very far, I think. And it, what what strikes me about this is it's fun, right? There's like there's this competitive aspect to it also, where there's other people uh, uh, that are that are also like computing com completing these guilds, and uh, it's like an RPG. So you know, like you're like I'm not a big gamer, but like you know, like there's an RPG, so you're like loving leveling up uh, as you uh, as you become uh, more proficient in in like these programming skills, and but but then there's like there's all of this kind of fear. Um, you know, underlying uh, utility to what you guys are building. So you mentioned that you're using a soulbound token. Like it's it's kind of an attestation service in a way. You know, in the same way that say Poap is an attestation service that you were somewhere or you met someone. This is an attestation service that like you've done some work. And yes. there's a lot that you can do with that, and a lot that you can unpack there. Um, you were going to say something. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to uh, add a little correction here. It is soulbound in in the sense that it is linked to our identity, but it is not issued in the form of an NFT yet. Our data set is designed in a way that we can potentially, in the very near future, migrate it on on chain. But so far, this is a rather centralized product, and we yeah just wanted to let let people uh, know that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, yeah, we can maybe talk a little bit more about like exactly what those tokens look like. Um, but so from, from the perspective that this is an attestation service, right? It's, a um, it's, it's a, it's a platform that allows you as an individual to prove that you've done something, that you've done a yeah. course or that you've exactly. read some information and, you know, understood the, the main, uh, you know, the, sort of the crux of what, like what's being explained, 
um, yeah. that you successfully completed uh, some programming task and arrived at a result. What what can we do with this information or what can like companies or people who are hiring yeah. or, or even like for the developers also, like how do they leverage this information? It's a great question you're asking here. And uh, I didn't venture into, so in our roadmap, the next, let's say, layer brick that we want to uh, build on top of what's currently out there is a matchmaking engine between ecosystem and contributors. So we can prove to a certain extent that you have solved an arbitrary programming challenge. So let's say I am a recruiter or I am a foundation and I'm looking for a new Go engineer. I don't know. I can design a custom set of challenges to add some kind of filter, a constraint, before people can actually submit their application to me. And uh, I can basically be matchmade with a set of developers that have proven that they've completed that. Of course, we're not perfectly civil resistant, but it's still very annoying to try to cheat the system and everything. And you can potentially increase the quality of the applicants for an arbitrary opportunity. Beyond that, for open source contribution, let's say we need to build a new bridge between um, Polygon and Mina or something like that. And we would like to call the ecosystem a community of devs to potentially solve that challenge. A bit like, you know, you have this bounty board in The Witcher 3 and, you know, witchers can basically apply to kill that dragon to get the, the reward. So you and your lads, you can apply as a team, as a raid team, and you can say, look, we, we've accomplished this in the, in the past and we would like to solve that problem. We would like to apply for that grant. And the foundation can review the different groups that are tagging together to solve that problem and eventually take better decisions because every developer comes with their folio. I mentioned folio here because in Node Guardians, you can share your profile and you have some kind of kernel that keeps track of what you built. And we would like to explore for next year, uh, you know, uh, add functions that allow you also to import the reputation you have acquired on other, let's say, well-respected DAOs or developer communities and inject it into your Node Garden identity. So the progress you've done elsewhere is not wasted. It is, again, like um, ingested by your Node Garden profile and it gives a not like you, you get a better trust on the platform. So this is something I'm, I'm, I think is very exciting to, to build and could definitely help um, all, all ends get the best out of everything. And we want to do it, and I'm, I'm very attached to that concept, in a way that doesn't compromise people's identity. Like, of course, we, we have cookies, we collect a bit of data, but like, we, we don't store, we're not asking people to give their email. We're not asking your name or family name. You can apply for an opportunity without giving anything to us. And if you don't want any notification, you can also disable everything. We really want to give people all the choices on whether they want to be contacted or not. So. They don't feel like they, you know, this is something I'm very attached to. You can just use the platform. And if you just want to use yeah. the platform, you don't want to be matchmaker, you don't want to share your information, then it's up to you. And I think this is very important to make the most inclusive community because a lot of people are extremely uh, attached to that privacy. And we really hope to keep on building that platform without making it intrusive for the user or without forcing people to do an action on social, on social networks to access free content and stuff like that. Even though I perfectly understand this uh, marketing methods, um, I think it's going to be a challenge and a very interesting path to explore to grow a product without forcing people um, to to share something about themselves. Um, yeah. One, one is important, I think, about the platform. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important that like, yeah, the platform allows people to just, you know, learn. And if they, you know, if they don't want to um, share any information, but, but then given the opportunity, I think you guys are well positioned to like, leverage all of the, all of these people um, to, to, to help companies like recruit. Right. Uh, I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday and uh, you know, he's telling me that they're, uh, they're hiring a, uh, I think you know who this person is actually, that <laughs> um, they're hiring a, a Solidity developer. They're looking for a Solidity developer and they're running into this problem that uh, they're getting kind of like scammers applying for positions. And the way that they're doing it is, uh, I didn't know this, but apparently like they'll get like one or there's like one or two good sort of like decent programmers in the, in the group. And then a bunch of guys that just have no clue. And then they'll pass they'll go through an interview with like no camera. A lot of these guys are like in Asia. So, um, uh, you know, like maybe for like Americans or Westerners, it's, it's hard to, to tell the difference between like one person or another, especially if they don't have their camera on, uh, they'll do a test. Uh, they'll, um, basically sort of pass the interview, get a job. And then like after a month after they've received payment and basically done nothing, they just kind of run off, um, they just kind of run off with the money and like, this is, this is, but you know, if they're getting positions that are paying like four or five, 6,000 grand a month. Um, and they're doing this like all the time. It's like a decent chunk of money. Right. Um, so with, with something like this, like you can actually show that you know, it, it, it takes a lot more work and there's a much higher barrier to entry to, um, to doing like a scam like this, if you're leveraging this and like other attestation services to, kind of prove that, you know, you are who you say you are or that you have the skills that you think that you say you have. Um, yeah. I wonder if this is something that also like companies maybe that you're interacting with or maybe like prospective customers are also concerned with. Uh, trust, you mean being able to, uh, to attest, to confirm that someone has a certain skill set and everything. Uh, I, yeah. I believe entities that do recruit, show an important interest for, for that aspect. And um, I, I think that, yeah, we're trying to build that, that trust network at a, at a humble scale right now. And I, I really think that this is the way to go. And as the platform becomes more exhaustive and more integrated, we will be able to, to connect with other initiatives, other hackathons, other communities, and uh, we'll be able to, to have some kind of score and index that, that can more in the future, as time goes, it can be accepted as something that really represents someone's genuineness. And that's a yeah. huge problem to tackle. Maybe the solution will not work, but I think that doing it this way might make the process fun for, for everyone. And um, yeah, hopefully it works out. I think there is a, the, it's, it's, an, it's a very big problem to tackle and we're, we're excited to give it a try here. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on the other hand, uh, I was in a governance call the other day, I think it was for Evmos. And, yeah. uh, you know, what someone was arguing that basically if, you know, as a DAO, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to get hired by a DAO and the DAO is going to pay you, then like this person was arguing that the community that you should, you should be doxxed. Um, you should, you know, have your LinkedIn out, your qualifications, all these things. And I guess in absence of some kind of attestation 
um, that you're competent and that you've completed, you know, previously other tasks or, or maybe, maybe even like something like Git POAP, right? Like I see Git POAP as another form of attestation that you've contributed meaningfully to open source. Without that, like, of course, you know, if you're going to like get hired by a DAO, um, you're just like some handle on Discord or maybe like an Ethereum address or, or something like that. You know, it's, it's like it's it's difficult to establish trust there, um, especially if you're taking funds from a community, right? Where there's like, you know, the the uh, implication of voters might not be such that, you know, you can like take someone out of of that contractual relationship fairly quickly until some damage is done so yeah i, I think like this is this certainly yeah. adds to the the weight of uh you know one's competency and uh and like previous work you can go to you can go to jail if you contribute to certain chunks of you know to to certain type of code and i think it's important not to be doxed if that is actually your wish uh imagine you're working on some zero knowledge uh, solution or uh and then you're basically summoned. I mean, like the, the cost, you get swatted because you contributed code for this. It would have been nice to be able to to contribute and get remunerated, like, you know, get paid without having to compromise your identity. And it's nice to have an option. And if we can keep that option for, let's let's try to build solutions that allow us to keep that option. And it's definitely not easy. Yeah. Um, what's the business model here and how... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, so making money with this other than staking rewards, which also I want to ask you about staking rewards and why why you yeah. also why are you also a staking provider? Oh, that's uh, sure happy to answer that. So yeah, we are a staking provider. So we take money uh, through our staking, you know, like through through our nodes. We we take commissions on different networks and that generates some income. We try to also do delegation programs uh, while contributing to ecosystems. We can increase the stake that's delegated on an arbitrary node. To be able to generate more income out of uh, out of this uh, operation, the question you asked about what's the link between being a, a pure educational player and an infrastructure player, let's say, is that we would really like to create some kind of one-stop hub for the developer. You're not you're not forced to, but let's say you come to learn for free, and then you're ready to go at production level. You're ready to ship code on the mainnet, uh, and you want to use an, an RPC service. You might as well use the dashboard that's on Node Guardians. Uh, use like you know, do, do your queries through our infrastructure. If you feel like it, you might consider using our infrastructure. And you know, you you, can, you pretty much get like uh, a suite of tools, not only RPCs but different like items that you can just get from this thing, which was initially a platform to to learn or to compete against other developers on the gas golfing exercise. So I think that this is an interesting system to grow as a staking provider to offer. Um, to offer resources for for a developer for free without asking anything in return. Um, that's the way I see it. Beyond that, um, before doing Node Gardens, I was doing a lot of grants for different foundations. Uh, when I was focusing a lot on Journal du Coin, I was trying to find a way to be economically viable without uh, pushing some some let's say uh, dodgy projects. So we were applying for grants and we were asked to do a lot of tech writing or content that abstract the complexity of uh, a technical stack or something like that. And there were there was really a lot of demand. So that's pretty much what pushed me just for the, like to do it in French. That's, so that's what gave me the hint that 
you know, tech writing and dev-oriented resources are actually something that it's something in high demand. And I was like, how can we do it in a way that's more interactive, that's more involving, and that's more, yeah, that's not static. And that's how we went for that design that basically consists of doing these interactive uh, challenges. So grants, to get back to grants, um, the integrations on Node Guardians, if we design, let's say, uh, 50 hours of content on a new domain-specific language, uh, that's going to take two or three months of engineering. So we can also take our margin on the labor that has been uh, allocated to do this integration. That is one way we uh, actually, uh, that's one way to, to, to make the, the whole enterprise viable. Then we do events, which are fortunately for now, so far have been profitable uh, ventures uh, overall. Um, there is the RPC concept not yet de uh, deployed, we're still testing it, but this is something that we hope will be able to generate us income. And then there is the, you know, being a grant distribution point. If you distribute resources for open source contribution and you do it effectively, uh, foundations might want to distribute, have their dollars distributed through such an intermediary than distribute, distributing it directly themselves because they might lose a lot if they do it directly themselves without like, uh, all, all the data that that intermediary might have. So if you distribute budget for contribution, that could be a way to generate income. But beyond that, matchmaking is important. Matchmaking means like, let's say you matchmake one developer with, um, how do we call that? With a job opportunity, provided they both consent and everything, you can take a cut on top of that. This is something that has been uh, really battle tested by um, other players in the ecosystem. And this is something that comes in our roadmap, but each thing in its own time, uh, we're not there yet. So that's pretty much how a platform like Node Guardians could generate income. These are, let's say, the, the five main, main axes. Then there are other things we can work on, like implementing liquid staking and doing other things on other networks. But I don't want to start talking about the ambitious stuff when this is just a, a blueprint that's hanging somewhere in our, you know, in our, on our Slack. So. This is uh, come on, talk about the ambitious stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> nature enough to be, to be discussed, but you, a, lo a lot of other things we, we can also uh, explore. But um, I've shared here what we we think should should help us to 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 sustain ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and um, with with regards to yeah the you know the events and 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 everything, I think there's also maybe maybe like a play here with hackathons um you know where you could have like quests kind of exactly in collaboration with hackathons like built into the platform also bounties like um yeah there's just like so much cool stuff you could build integration uh, yeah if you integrate a small DeFi protocol with a set of quests to know how to integrate it we can charge us we can extend our offering at smaller price tags and diversify and be, we can be able to onboard smaller actors uh, on with smaller campaigns and uh, find ways to generate income while also helping them in their in their mission. Uh, that that's one way, and we can also ha host hackathon through the platform and find something that's relevant both for the hackathon, you know, like uh, the, the the network that we're supporting through that hackathon and ourselves. That's definitely something we we are working on and thinking about, and then designing challenges for hackathon and organizing chain agnostic events is something we are at the moment working on uh, for the middle of next year in, in Paris. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to communicate about this uh, early next year. But um, yeah, definitely something that 
we are ex very excited about organizing offline events uh, for developers, for everyone, actually. But having the challenges of these hackathons and CTF designed in-house with our own, let's say, recipe and lore could be very fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to uh, not overlap this year <laughs> with our events. <laughs> let's let's make the sure. The Nebular, the Nebular, I don't want to miss that one. Like, it should you gotta get your hat, man. No, 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 no. This is definitely something I'm going to work <laughs> on. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot miss it this year. Yeah, no, I'd love to get a StarkNet CC as well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're, we've already started planning it and we're already kind of like, know when the date's going to be and like there's other events also coming uh this year in addition to um, um basically there, there's a there's a big cosmos event uh in addition to to uh to nebular summit that's going to be happening in paris around that time uh um, can't say anything can't say anything yet <laughs> but uh but we're, we're trying to coordinate on like what the dates are so we'll yeah i'll keep you in the loop so that we can we can uh Make sure we don't overlap. Happy, happy, to, um, happy to visit, happy to support. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, okay. So, I mean, so look, look, at, the, look at the comments here. Um, I, I want to ask you about this. Uh, is this, is this, uh, is this relevant or, 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 or not? Oh, there's no, there's no point like, you know, totally. Is this being, is this like just people trolling or? Uh... I, think, I think this is not really uh, relevant. It's true that, um, you know, there has been that document that has been shared on, on Financial Times about like uh, uh, whoever, like uh, in, 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 you know, whatever investment FTX Ventures did or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of people are speculating about why actually we, re we received investment and everything. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's like the, the most interesting topic. I, I don't think that we should provide explanation to this at this point, but um, I think explaining it through another uh, another session or another medium post is definitely something I'll consider. But yeah, there's nothing really exciting about this. People should just enjoy the platform as it is because the experience is not going to be bound to a token as people speculate on it. The, the, the token is... You should enjoy Node Garden as it is, and that's it. There's no, there's not going to be a paywall or something to build or to use anything that we offer that is like you know forcing you to have a token. And I think that's really what we should focus on. Let's forget about the one token or the airdrop and just try to use the platform as it is, because it's not. We're not planning to change the way we actually do things and the way we function. And yeah. that's pretty pretty much all regarding like how things are allocated and everything. The only thing that I can sell is that. It's done in a rather, rather, really fair manner. And uh, there will come a time when we'll be extremely transparent about this. And I'll be more than happy to explain all the intricacies about this. But I really want this project to be a community project. Mm -hmm. And things are not going to change. Just forget about drops or token and everything. This platform is, as it is, a platform that's for developers. You can use it for free. You don't need to share data. And I think that's the most important aspect. But I don't plan to mm -hmm. change that. And neither yeah. does the team want to, I think. So, so just just for clarity here, because I, I I'm just dis discovering this because I'm seeing these messages, so that's why I want to ask you. So, of course, it, this oh. New York Times thing. What what is this yeah. New York Times thing? Oh, no, um, so the Financial Times, I think. And, oh, Financial Times. Yeah, they they collaborated with the Block Research Team to compile and release a sheet, a Google Sheet that compiles all the venture investments of FTX Ventures and Alameda. Um, 
that's it. And it just shows that the venture arms of, uh, you know, FTX and Alameda have been deploying more than $5 billion of capital across various uh, crypto projects. And that's it. It okay. shows the amounts and uh, the... And so know, they had invested in, in Node Guardians. Is that, yes. is that the yeah. thing that... Okay. Yeah, it's, it's one of the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're, we're not like... We, we could have communicated about this, but to be honest, I I don't like... I, I know it's kind of... Uh, it's a must-do or something like that to communicate about your fundraise and everything. But to be really honest yeah. with you, I wanted to build that product and keep on building that product without ever revealing who we have been uh, working with on this and who, who we raised from and how much we raised because I think it, it takes us a, away from the main topic and our mission. And I'm a bit disappointed that I ended up having, uh, you know, uh, working with them, even though they have been dealing with amazing people, the person that we're managing this entity have been doing some, like whatever, you know, whatever happened. And it's kind of backlashing on us because we were meant to, to keep things secret and we both agreed on that. And now it's just being disclosed maybe to get engagement or to, to bring some more data on this whole time drama. And we're kind of like, getting some consequences out of that but my vision was that i didn't want to i didn't want to celebrate a fundraise or make a pr and say hey look we raised uh, please join our discord this is very off with what I'm, I'm trying to build like from the bottom of my heart so i'm very very yeah. saddened by this but now we can just keep on building and just abstract for, for forget about this i don't think that you know something worse could have happened to us we could have actually have we could have our treasury managed by by entity A, B, or C, and this entity being insolvent. Um, yeah. This didn't happen to us. Um, no, like our roadmap is not compromised. And I think we're still genuine. We're, we're still like committed to building what we wanted to build. Then if people want to speculate or something or do something out of this information, this is their entire right. But th there's nothing, I think there's nothing really relevant about this. In my yeah, and there's, I mean, like, there's a lot, there's a lot of projects on this list. <laughs> like, you know, there's a, a ton lot. of companies that, and, and even like companies that, you know, reputable companies that are like in the Cosmos ecosystem or, you know, people <laughs> yeah. we've interviewed in on, you know, like even, even Masari is on here, you know, I mean. Um, a lot of their ones, their twos, um, yeah. cryptography they research. Were, they were spraying everywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like, Full yeah, disclosure will come anyway. It's just that we didn't want to part of our marketing or let's say marketing. I don't even want, I mean, our PR strategy did not include communicating about a fundraiser. We need resources yeah. to build something that's sophisticated and we need the right strategic partnership to, to increase our chance to succeed in the path we choose to take. So I could either build this myself in my corner or choose this path and do it this way. I still do not regret working towards this direction, doing it this way, mm. to be really honest. But yeah, uh, I couldn't know that this could happen. I got bamboozled. I, got, I, I was actually trusting these folks. My mistake, I was not like, uh, you know, skeptical enough. I really, yeah. I really thought that this would be a, a fruitful uh, collaboration. But, you know, things happen. Things are like that. Let's keep on building. Uh, maybe the debate is relevant for some people. To me, it is not. Uh, and we will still be communicating about all of this uh, at some point. But right now, the imperatives are different on our side. That's hmm. the kind of answer I can offer to the community. And um, yeah, I, yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, no, thanks for cleaning it up. I mean, I wouldn't have asked you if I, if, if, if I wouldn't have asked you if it was like so many people asking here in the in the channel. Um, <laughs> I understand the questions. Uh, I yeah, it's very trendy and uh, yeah, but I, I try to 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 dodge them. But I'm also I'm not gonna run away from it. I'm happy to actually have this debate or like to to actually answer react to this. But yeah, here yeah. is my very clear opinion about this. Yeah, yeah. not cool, but it happened, and, man. What to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, so t tell me a little bit about, yeah, I, I mean, I want to use this opportunity to maybe dive into the Starknet ecosystem. because I, I think yes. you're, like, you're the guy that I know that is the most connected <laughs> to that ecosystem. And I know <laughs> nothing about it uh, other than yeah. it's like Stark wares behind it. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> so why is Starknet so cool? I guess. Um, I think it's, it's very per personal. And what is really so? What is what is why is Starknet so cool? Okay, so I'm optimistic about Ethereum, and I kind of see like the repartee, the distribution of activity across different blockchains, rollups, execution environments in the future. And I can be totally wrong, as I can see it like you know trading activity commerce at a, at a global scale. A lot of it seems to be happening in North America and Western Europe, and the 30% risk that's left is between BRICS and emerging economies and everything. So I think that Ethereum and its nexus, as I like, I, I call it like that, with all the roll-ups and everything, is going to capture 60%, let's say, of that activity. So I took interest into roll-ups and scaling solutions for Ethereum, and I asked myself, obviously, I want to support all of them. I think all the designs and approaches to scaling are interesting. Some excite me a bit more than others, and I have a preference for validity proofs and ZK proofs. Then I started like looking at all these solutions and asked myself which one I want to celebrate, which one I'm most excited about. And personally, it was um, Starknet. So as I told you earlier in the podcast, I heard about crypto and I started a bit reading about it when Zcash was doing its trusted setup. And so one of the founding scientists of Zcash was Eli Ben Sasson, who is a mathematician, an Israeli mathematician that has been uh, committing a good part of his life into theoretical computer problem, uh, computing problems and the, re the research in these validity proofs. So he yeah. was involved with Zcash, um, which was a ZK-SNARK-based uh, basic payment network. I don't think there is a, there are smart contracts there yet. I think it's potentially coming to the, to, the, to the interchain, but I'm not sure about that. I think Zuko has been talking about it. He's very bullish about that. But anyway, I'm, I'm straying from the main path. And so I saw that in 2018, he withdrew from Zcash to start working on a new project called Starkware. And he authored a paper called Starks, a new kind of uh, proof that have their transfer, that have their own, like, let's say, properties and that offers, that have their trade-offs and some advantages and everything. And they were looking to tackle the scaling Ethereum kind of problem back in 2018. What I found very interesting is that they were among the first to work in this path and the provenance, their background as researchers, makes them to me extremely legitimate to actually uh, explore such technologies and develop them. And I was like, wow, after making a market ready, the first, let's say, accessible use of zero knowledge proof, like the, the, it's something from the 80s or 84, 85, I think the Goldwasser paper is very old. It actually comes to fruition and becomes like applied to real business, like to, to real purpose. And now they're trying to, to to expand it and work on other solutions. So that's what got me excited from 
you know, like let's say the science side of things. So they're, they're working on, um, on this solution. And I really like what Starkner is doing because if you take a look at the chronology and the evolution of the product, they, they, they were pioneering and they were working on these problems um, very early on. And they, they took design choices that are not necessarily the best for mass adoption on the short term, but they're not necessarily, for instance, working primarily on the ZKAVM, but they're going for their own mathematically provable language. They were thinking and tackling these issues before it was actually a big debate on, on, the, on the crypto space. And I think that this is something that's um, very respectable. Another thing that's nice about this technology is that, you know, these proving systems and rollups, they're evolving at a pace that is surprising us. Uh, we were thinking that this thing would be production ready by 2026, back in 2018, probably. It was not really something that sounded like reality. And now we're talking about mainnets for such systems starting from next year or even this year. So it's really moving fast because a lot of money has been poured in it and a lot of interest from, you know, brains from all around the world is uh, directed towards this. And among all the solutions that exist in this validity proof and zero knowledge rollups, I, I, I think that's what's interesting about Starkware's technology and Starknet is that Starkware battle tested it first through something called StarkX. So StarkX is a permissioned, it's not permissionless, rollup. Yeah. They deploy for you. They do the compression for you, basically, and they post the proof on Ethereum mainnet. And any business can can run on a StarkX, like Sorare, DYDX, and everything. So over the last is, is Sorare still up... doing StarkX, or is yeah, they're still doing all? I think yeah, Sorare. DYDX is shifting to Cosmos, yeah. uh, but it's been running for a good chunk of its time on on the StarkX. A lot of things like so-called so uh, Immutable X, um, different solutions, I think, are, are leveraging this, this technology. I might be wrong about Immutable. I don't know if it's a term. I think, yeah, it's a StarkX. And um, they battle-tested it for millions of NFT means, hundreds of millions of, you know, like trading set trades that have been settled and everything. And it's been, like, rather stable over the last two years. And they have some data to basically move forward and, and, and migrate towards something that is open, permissionless, and uh, and ready to support any form of business logic with decent, uh, let's say, liveness guarantees. So I think it's a nice point um, that Starkin has against other solutions. But I'm not trying to segregate the others. I'm very excited about Polygon ZKVM, about what Scroll is doing in collaboration with the Ethereum Foundation. Very excited about also optimistic approaches. Uh, fuel, in particular, is some, something that I found rather original, uh, optimism and arbitrum. But yeah, so I really like what Starkin is doing. And they're... so Cairo is a tricky choice, but it's also a very elegant, uh, very elegant thing. And I think that they're going for that path because the team is convinced that making this choice is what will offer true scalability. And right now, you know, block space is, not, is in lesser demand than it used to be. But they might kind of a time where gas and efficiency might might make the difference. And if you decide to not do any abstract, like you don't do a zkVM, you have your own language that is optimized for proof generation at the lowest mm -hmm. level. You can really get these performances that will be ready to 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 onboard, let's say, millions of that will make your system ready to onboard really millions of users. And I think that this is likely to pay out in some context. And uh, I think that's, that's, very, that's, very, that's very interesting to, to see how this is going to play out. Because right now, we don't have any objective benchmark on how these ZK systems perform in, pro in production. Like, there's no, nothing that proves you that this thing is actually faster. I think there's some experiments that are being done. But 
it is still very foggy. When it comes to compatibility, you know, I think that in the short term, ZK VMs are actually gonna still win because people are not gonna bother probably for most learning a new language that is not the sexiest to get like maximal gas efficiency because you wanna get ready to do business fast while learning the least stuff. And it's normal, that's how you take decisions. You want the project to cost the least. So ZKVMs might capture a lot of uh, attention, but in the longer term and mid term, I still think that uh, what they're doing is very viable. And StarkNet is not totally irrelevant when it comes to the whole ZKVM thingy, because you can you have some kind of type four compatibility with Solidity through what Nethermind is doing with the transpiler. You can put your Solidity code and you know transpile it into Cairo and basically have it, have it work, but it needs some adjustments, not perfectly compatible, and you'll need to revise a lot of things. Not all of the tooling might be compatible. It's not an ideal experience, definitely, but they're working now on a layer, you know, on a, on a ZKVM, on a layer three that's built as a layer three on top of StarkNet, which is called Kakarot in reference to Dragon Ball Z. And this is uh, a ZKVM that targets the Cairo VM. It is almost opcode complete, 90% of the opcodes are supported. Some tricky ones are still left, but it's been built very fast. And now we're getting to the other exciting part about StarkNet. It's been built very fast with contributors that from, from all around the world. They just sat and gathered in, in Lisbon. And within a few days, they, they were. it all started from some meme on Twitter that was basically, I think, like uh, joking, laughing at, Stark, uh, at StarkNet, like trying to build this super sophisticated language that might never find mass adoption, while others are just realistically building a solution that caters to most people. A fair take, you would say. And one of my friends, who's uh, the head of ecosystem, took it very, like, it was very painful to him. And he was just like, I'm going <laughs> to build that behavior. I'm so pissed. And so, you know, like, he, he gathers contributors and different contributors from, from all around the world through systems like OnlyDust and other communities. Everyone, like, gathers, hack together, and work very efficiently in a distrib distributed manner. And they, they're all glued together through various initiatives, like community events, like in the StarkNet space, not only StarkNet CC, the StarkNet buildings. The community is very like keen to, everyone is keen to help each other and be very, everyone is trying to solve each other problem. And that's some kind of dynamic and energy, uh, a will to help one another. That's at least from my perspective, I, I haven't seen in all the, uh, in other communities. And I could be totally wrong on this. Maybe I didn't sit at the right moment at the right time, like to, to, to see such kind of things in other community, but it's very unique, the way people interact, the way people help each other, the, the synergies that you have, uh, how people come to StarkNet for the love of the technology itself, the level of commitment that you find. Yeah, Cairo is some kind of big filter. It's not the sexiest language at all to learn, but if you come there, well, you could have done something that's maybe easier. You could have built something on, 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 on you know, in Solidity and totally respectable. You could have chosen another path. People go there because they appreciate some specific concept of that stack, you know, whether it is mm. Cairo and what it will enable you to do in the future, it's guarantees, whether it is account abstraction. And so I think that, yeah, the, the, this purity, this like kind of genuineness from the community is also what makes StackNet uh, interesting. And it's not obsolete because there's still an agenda to support higher level languages and solidity. Okay. So it's gonna take time, but I believe that it's going to happen and um, hopefully it's going to happen and cool projects are being built and blue chips are also being ported. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of money, unfortunately, but 
Ave is coming to Starknet. Um, Maker is coming to Starknet. And hopefully we'll have all the bricks of a mature DeFi stack that, that arrive on that ecosystem. So yeah, no, I, I'm not a VP that's, from Starknet. <laughs> no, that's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that resonates with me here is the sort of pureness of uh, of the interests of the community right like people really people are there and like it's just like it is this uh this thing that you know the learning curve curve is uh fairly high right because you have to learn this new language this new like abstraction um but but people still uh gravitate toward that community because of the <laughs> because of the tech right and like i i think i think that is also one of the reasons why um why a lot of people uh are in the cosmos ecosystem as well like and why the you know they're like they're like these kind of under the radar ecosystems and i've tried to i've tried to capture this in a way that because you know like we're raising a fund right now and like yeah. we're, we're talking to investors and they're like what's this cosmos thing like you know why is it why is it why haven't i heard of this or like just kind of barely heard about it and i think one of the things is well it's under the radar because people are really in it for the tech, or at least until until now, there's been like a really core group of people that have been in it for the tech. Um, the tech works and uh, and it scales and like people are building cool stuff on it. And like now it's starting to get a bit of interest. And I feel like when you're telling me about, about the start naked ecosystem, it kind of resonates a lot of those same, uh, rings those same bells for me. Um, and so, and then, and then the other thing I wanted to ask is when you say that like Ave and, and Maker are deploying there, that's that's interesting because up until now, as far as far as I know, those projects have only deployed to EVM chains. Yes. Now they're they're deploying to so basically they have to port their code in order for it to be compatible yeah. on Starknet. Yeah. They're funding this with their treasuries, their respective treasuries. They're granting this, and over the last. Um, 18 months probably or 12 months, they, they have been full focused on porting their existing code base into Cairo. And now this, I think effort is coming to a certain level of maturity and now it's getting audited super long. It's not easy, but they've made the choice to support StarkNet. So I think it's also a nice signal and an acknowledgement that this technology is rather relevant. So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that they also, yeah, make that choice. And, leave the evm path to also support cairo yeah. that's huge i mean i think that sets a huge precedent also for other ecosystems who are, that are not evm like you know like like solana like cosmos like polka dot uh that uh that tip where there's typically like there's really like a divide like between the evm world and where it's projects just have to take their evm it's a culture but it's also like it's technology right like i mean the, you've got your you got all your code base and everything in EVM uh, compatible, like Solidity. Um, it's a lot of work to port all those functionalities and then have to maintain that over time. Um, so yeah, I think it like sets an interesting precedent. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I was, I was going to say like tell tell me about your 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 conference. So you did the first one last summer. On the same day as Nebular, um, in Paris, yes. And then, then it was in one Paris. in Lisbon. Uh, in you Lisbon, did one in Lisbon uh, four weeks ago, and um, now the community actually did it in Bangalore a week ago. It's not even us anymore. It's becoming some kind of 
you know, if global, like what I wanted to see is, you know, the community takes ownership of this. We help them mm -hmm. with like getting the word out among the developers, the community, but we're not taking any tax on top of it. You, you host your stock to see in the environment that you know best. You think you can do it. We'll do our very best to support you. Uh, and like the folks from like Rohit and the team and I think Pranav from the graph, they teamed up and they pulled up a huge hackathon and event in Bangalore for ETH India. And it's pretty moving to, to see it becoming something that's, that's, that's it's not my my thing anymore. So it's amazing. It's amazing. And now it's, it's coming to Israel uh, in February at a smaller scale. Um, and there are projects to bring it to, to Turkey and Argentina in March and April. So it's, it's not us that's carrying those, it's uh, other entities and projects that are spearheading the, the effort. And we're just like lending them helping hands and, uh, and that's and cool. just give, giving them a license to use the brand and yeah. So we're not asking any fees. We actually help them getting the sponsors and making the events um, economically viable. We don't, it's not like a lucrative business. Um, but we just make sure that the, um, it fits, like you cannot make it something about like, uh, you know, to speak about, let's say weird stuff, dodgy stuff. It still has to be a tech centric conference. Yeah. It needs to be some element to replicate the stack necessity recipe, some workshops, some tech talks, and some talks that are accessible to everyone. It still needs to be fun for everyone. So the stack necessity conference has to offer content for people that is intelligible for people that do not have a CS background. So if you basically adjust everything to kind of fit the StarkNet CC vibe, um, yeah, there you go. You can go wherever it is, whenever it is. Um, yeah, that, uh, that's, that's super cool. So it's a dev centric Yeah, sorry. I, I, no, no, I was just, that's super cool. Like, I mean, that they, they just picked it up by themselves and decided to do it on their own. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd love to. I'd love for someone. I mean, if there's anybody out there that wants to do a Nebula event somewhere around the world. Uh, I'll, man. Uh, I'll help you do it. So, man, don't don't. You can speak about like the the, the interchange, but I, it, it can be a very long podcast. But this is something appealing <laughs> to, to me actually. A fun challenge I would like to take in the future if I ever have the time. If if it's open to carry the nebular spirit somewhere else, I mean, like, yeah. could be interesting. Do do it in Dubai <laughs> or in Korea or in Korea. Yeah. Uh, someone's looking. Someone here is waiting to see you in Argentina. <laughs> I really hope this day happens, man. See you in Argentina then. I hope we can take it there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we didn't we didn't talk about this, but what's this uh what's this bare metal versus uh hey, you know what's uh, my contrarian intro? what's my contrarian take? You asked me about this. I've been thinking about I mean this. I don't think it's that contrarian, but <laughs> yeah, but like okay. No, I I hate trading analysis. I think a lot of builders probably are not like fond of this, but I I, I don't like trading analysis, and I get I, I clash a lot about this. I think that this trading is some kind of... oh trading analysis analysis like chart yeah, chart uh... the, the chart um, reading uh, analysis uh, the the chart based analysis um, you know yeah techniques uh, yeah I I, I I I don't like that and I, I I think I clash I've been clashing a lot very often about this so I I don't comment about this anymore on. On, on on social and stuff like that but i just think that this is some some very occult science and the, this is borderline you know it's 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 unhealthy <laughs> it's it's really unhealthy and i think that's the, the the debate the object the thing i've been debating most where a lot of people do, do, do not agree with me i'm i'm very allergic to trading regarding the bare metal and and versus cloud debate is just to to annoy my my, my friend and uh cto who is uh, basically meditating to 
everything's running on, on, on the cloud at, uh, at Node Guardians, but um, I'm advocating for bare metal because I want us to be super keen from a financial standpoint. Bare metal instances tend to be much cheaper than, you know, like than, than cloud-based systems. And also yeah. you get more IOPS, you get better performance since you have the all the the raw power of all the, the resources of the box, yeah. Yeah, so you miss less blocks on 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 for instance like the hub and stuff like that. And of course that comes with other trade-offs uh, in terms of uh, I, I believe security and everything, but this is one of the the clash one of the clashes uh, that has been very, very common in my in my daily life over the last few days. So I would be very curious if there are developers from or validators watching this podcast, the interrupt that are running chains in the interchain. I would love to see in the comments once this gets eventually online uh, tomorrow in the future. Like in, I would love to see some comments about how people are building their infrastructure and what's their take regarding this question. I, I had this. I, I had this. Uh, this kind of learning journey, I guess, sometime mid, yeah, mid, mid about mid of the year, when I started running uh, an Evmos validator, and yeah, it was like, okay, where do I do, do I go through an infrastructure provider? Do I run it internally? Uh, do we run it on bare metal? Do we do Sentry nodes? And I, I like I talked to a bunch of people, and everybody has their own opinions on how to do it. And, you know, to some extent, I think it's kind of cool. Like, I think it's cool that every, like everyone's infrastructure is running uh, on a different setup. It, it kind of maybe creates some robustness in the, in the, in the infrastructure. I think yeah. what really needs to be addressed is the, um, the seeming uh, tendency for certain service providers or certain cloud providers or, 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 uh, or bare metal providers to to capture a lot of the uh, a lot of those servers. So you know, I think on Cosmos, like I don't know how many are using Hetzner, right? Just because it's cheap and they do bare metal, and but then you so have Solana and and Hetzner, they kick their exactly, out. yeah, they kicked everyone out. So I think this is a this is something that we need to address, and I'm I'm hoping that you know either Polkachu or not not Polkachu, but um, one of these, one of these uh, dashboards, um, maybe just also shows like, hey, like he, here are the validators that are running on like AWS. Here are the validators, and you can get a, an idea. And then also, I think for validators, validators, I think maybe don't really have a good idea of what other infrastructure providers are running on, um, and having that information be kind of publicly available and for everyone to see maybe causes you to pause and say, hey, like I'm. Not going to run on on AWS. I might run on some other infrastructure because you know, or some like local cloud provider in my country because we want to be more decentralized. It's a very nasty topic because it would be ideal that we I, I use my garage and I ask for some specific plan to get nice internet with better SLAs to run the the, the racks in my garage and and I get uh, I get to run my nodes at home, but. It is very hard to have the same availability levels and performance levels that, mm -hmm. for instance, AWS or GCP have in their data centers. Like it's the expertise that has been they built over like decades or years or years and years, and they have a staff that's working round the clock, twenty four seven, to ensure that each component is you know like working flawlessly. Everything is like 
cooled in an efficient way, blah, 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 blah. And the software This is why stack, no company runs their own intranet anymore or runs their own web server. Like everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 And GCP, you know, dashboarding, the interface is very comfortable. And Kubernetes, like their implementation of Kubernetes, like you have, you have like all these tools that make you want to stick to a specific provider against another. But in, in an ideal world, I guess, you need to have a backup node that's that's running on another provider. Eventually, that's not sub, you know subject to the Patriot Act, or that is in another jurisdictions, or that is you know using another. Yeah, designs can be very. There, there are a lot of approaches that can be taken, but yeah, it's very hard to to choose like the least popular providers to to, to mitigate risks because also the experience you get out of them, or their availability is poor. Like for instance, this Vulture, we, 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 it's one of the providers we use for instance, for some test nets, they have sometimes some very nasty maintenances that are, you, you know, they, they, they happen very often, or sometimes they happen in an, they don't warn you ahead of time. Some, some, some stuff happens and your, 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 your workload is stopped. And so mm -hmm. that's it. What if your node was monitored in the context of, of, um, yeah, of, a, I don't know, a dedication program or something like that. It, it can still have a lot of, uh, yeah. So you really want to work with the best, but at the same time, if you work with the best, you concentrate the activity with the best. And then like comes all the, the backlash from making such choices, all the, the drawbacks, sorry. So mm. I, I like that question. I really like this, this, this whole, you know, infrastructure choice kind of debate. It's very fun. Yeah. I, I, I also like it. I, I find myself often getting into like DevOps conversations with people, even though like, even though I don't do a lot of DevOps, uh, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like building, it's like building stuff, right? Like you're, you're, you're actually like using infrastructure and building a tech stack and like making sure it's robust and making sure it's back up <laughs> so that you can like access it and secure it. It's like, I, 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 you I go like, on inclusions, inclusions architecture paper as an I read that thing. <laughs> I read that thing. It was like, this is the grail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that is not our setup and and we're actually changing our setup so uh so um but yeah listen uh this has been really fun um thanks for coming on and uh sharing uh sharing uh, about node guardians and starknet and yeah just thank shooting you. the shit here thank thank come you. back again sometime soon I'll be happy to, and you should hop on the podcast too. And uh, thanking everyone who who's also in the live chat or watching this. And uh, if you have some time, give a try to to Node Gardens and tell us what you think, how we can improve it, uh, what we can add, what kind of content you'd like to see. And we are soon coming, um, getting things started on on YouTube. And yeah, uh, we'll be covering all sorts of topics. And you're also welcome to to to, to give it a try once it's live. And yeah, again, thank you. All right. Thanks, Sam. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I do live streams every Thursday. And if you want to get notified when I go live, you can hit the notification bell, hit the like button, but, but subscribe. You should definitely subscribe to the channel and you'll get notified when we go live every week. So thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.